book of Timothy. We're going to be reading seven verses this morning. I promise you, just seven verses, okay? I want to read to you this morning uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. I want to read it to you, and I want to read it together, um, as most of you are completely finished with the uh, experiment with the water and the uh, crystallite powder. Here we go. I'm going to read the, uh, the scripture for you this morning. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. According to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my dear son, very personal letter here. It says this, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as, our for, as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in prayer. What a brother, huh? I constantly remember you in prayer. It says this, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith. What a testimony. Which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded. It says this. Listen to this. Now lives in you also. For this reason I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God. How many people can say fan the flame, right? Fan the flame. Which is in you. It's in you. Through the laying on of hands, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but, somebody say this, a spirit of power, power, of love, and lastly it says this, and of self-discipline. All right, first and foremost, the title this morning is called Code Red, and I'll explain that as we get into our message this morning, but really what captures my mind as I read the scriptures, obviously, you know, the obvious, which is fan the flame that is within you, but look, I want to ask everybody a question here this morning. Do we all go through things? Do certain people go through things? Or, or do we just have a perfect life and nobody experience any situation? The obvious answer to that, if you're breathing this morning, is this. That we all go through situations. We all go through situations. No one is exempt from them. Why am I saying this? Because this letter is written from an individual that you must take notes. And this is Paul. Look, Paul was writing this letter not in the best of his moments. He was in a situation. Most of us would say that jail was a bad place, but no, the jail that he was in was in a real bad place because it didn't have laws in regards to, you know, they must have some sort of, you know, uh, uh, cleanliness in the jail cell. They have to have X amount of people per jail cell. No. Paul was in a dungeon, it was cold, it was wet, he was beaten. Most of his letters came out of these circumstances, which show us that Paul is a tremendous man of God. You know, some of us in our lives, we might ask ourselves, has God called us to be Pauls? And what does that mean? Individuals that are balanced, and those people are jewels within the church. I want to let you know that there are certain people in the church that no matter what they go through, you could go to them for prayer. No matter if they've lost a loved one, no matter if their child is sick, no matter if they've lost a job, no matter if whatever the case is, you can go to brother so-and-so and they can pray for you. They can give you a word of encouragement. Those people in the church are golden and can never be replaced. How many people can say amen for those? And you might be saying, well, God's called me to be that. I haven't been acting that. Well, today's message might minister to you because I want to let you know that God has called many of us to be Pauls within the church. People who can encourage that no matter what the enemy brings your way, you can always write a letter of encouragement, right? Now, we read the letter before I explained to you what Paul was going through. And he was talking about, you know, oh, my beloved son, I long to see you. I remember about your tears. You mean so much to me. And here's this guy in jail, right? Not only in jail, but in this dungeon. And he's ready to be taken out. They're about to kill him. They're about to take his life. It's, he was in his last days. And look how he decides to live his life to bless a brother. How many people could say amen to that? And, you know, while I'm talking, you're thinking about people within this ministry and people outside of this ministry that you can really, really confide in and say, man, thank God for these individuals. So I want to let you know this morning that we will go through situations. We will go through situations. And as most of us are approached with different situations, I want to let you know that your thoughts will arise, right? How many of us know that we go through something and you get crazy? 
You go through something minor, big, it doesn't matter. The minute it comes, a situation may arise. And the minute it comes, you tend to get crazy. Can I see the crazy Christians who just can't control it and you get crazy? That's okay. Be honest. It's okay. You just need a little bit more prayer, more patience. That's fine. We all exist within the church. That's fine. Some people, you have the Holy Spirit in such a way that everything just slides right off you. God bless you. May the Lord bless you abundantly. Don't judge us. We just stress out a little bit more. Here's the reason why I say this, because Paul was approached with a situation, man. He knew his son in the faith was in trouble. He was in jail. They were about to kill him and stone him. And he had the opportunity to make a decision what he was going to do with his thoughts. And you know what he did with his thoughts? He says, I'm going to rise, and I'm going to bless my brother. Look, church, situations will come. Your thoughts will rise, and it takes an individual to mature and do the right thing in the midst of this trial. And, of course, when thoughts come, you know what's next, right? Your actions. How many people, something happens, thoughts come up, and then you need to act. That's everybody's life, right? Well, here's his action. He's going to write a letter and bless a brother. Now, this isn't even the message. I just want to let you know how the letter was written to Timothy. You might think, oh, what a beautiful letter. Oh, what, a, what an apostolic form of writing. What a great man of God. He's a blessed individual. No, I want to let you know that he was dying. He was in the worst state of his life. He was miserable. He was angry. But he found it within himself to have joy. Because joy comes from the Lord. Happiness is of the world. He had joy. And when you have the joy of the Lord, no matter what is going around you, you can always find it within you to bless a brother. And the church must learn that, that God has called us to bless a brother. No matter what the situation is, no matter what our thoughts are, our actions must always be to bless a brother. Always. Always. So let's get into this fan the flame. Let's get into the message this morning here as we get ready to go here. Having a determination to minister. How many people are determined to minister to the body? And this is what the message is going to be about here today. Fanning the flame and asking God for a passion and a determination to bless the person next to you. Look at the person next to you and say, I want to bless you. That's what it's about. You want to bless the person next to you. You know, we look at church as a place where we come and we just, we're like spiritually obese people who sit here and just absorb and take and take and take and we eat so much spiritually. We're blessed so much spiritually that we're gluttons and we can't even move and we haven't blessed anybody and you think this life is all about you. So I'm not in my church so I can talk a little stronger here today and you guys can get mad at me. Praise the Lord. You know, you, you probably come to church and get blessed and you hear and you do all these things and you just see here. And, and I'm going to ask you something personal here this morning. When's the last time somebody has said, thank the Lord for you? I thank God for you that you told me this right. I thank God that you blessed me with your word. When's the last time you text somebody, brother, I'm praying for you. May God bless you today. Have an amazing day. And you not care what's going on in your life. Because that's what Paul did. And I believe the church has got to get to a place in their life where we can become Paul's and bless each other no matter what the situation is, no matter what our crazy minds think, and at the end of the day to have self-control and control our actions. So here we go. Being persistent, having individuals who grab opportunities, and God says to, you know, fan the flame and being determined individuals to minister. I have a confession to make. I have regrets in my life. I do. You know, individuals live this life saying, oh, I have no regrets. I don't know if that's completely true. Individuals who say, no, I don't regret anything in this life. You know, at the end of the day, I believe that everything happens for a reason and God has everything under control. And no matter what we've done, may it be the, the, the worst things or the greatest things, God is in control and he's sovereign. He permits them and allows them to happen because his name is going to be glorified anyways. But at the end of the day, I look at my life and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have spoken to my wife that way. I wish I would have done this. I, would have, I wish my children, you know, you always have regrets. And I want to give you a basic definition of regret this morning as we get ready to start here. It says this, regrets, feeling of disappointment. Anyone ever felt disappointed? Now watch this. A feeling of disappointment or distress about something that one wishes could be different. That's what a regret is. I think we all have regrets. Come on, let's just be real and honest here this morning. I wish that some things would be different in my life with certain people. With my family members, maybe, some of them. Just this Saturday, I got a call uh, from my mother saying that my grandfather was missing. 
Man, and I started thinking about all the regrets that I have of maybe not calling or not doing or, or not spending time with him. And he's 80 years old. And, and thank the Lord he's safe. He got in an accident. We hadn't heard from him for hours at the middle of the night. It's very scary. And, and, and right off the bat, man, right off the bat, I started thinking about some regrets that I had. And I had a conversation with an individual here this week that, that they told me, man, you know, we take for granted some things that we have, you know, and, and we, we really don't recognize the value until it's really not there, you know. And that's just the honest truth. That's who we are. And, and if you could be real with yourself today and we can take off this whole Christian masquerade of being perfect people, you will say, Pastor, you're right. I have regrets. I wish things can be differently. And sometimes I think about it and I think we could be better people in certain areas. Can you say amen and be with me here this morning? Give God, uh, give God praise this morning. Can you give him praise and say thank you, Lord? Give him a clap off and amen. So here we go. We're going to get ready to get into the message this morning. I'm going to grab some verses and some words here. We're going to go right away and go straight through here. It'll be quick, but I need your attention this morning, okay? Pay attention this morning. Follow me here. Some key things I want to grab out of these seven verses right off the bat. First five verses are motivational. Have you ever heard those people that say, oh, that guy's just a motivational speaker and blah, 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 blah. Talk bad about this guy and so-and-so. Oh, that guy doesn't preach repentance and all he is is a motivational speaker. And all they do is talk bad about motivational speakers. I watch my mouth all the time. I don't care what they speak. If they're called from God, God knows only. And if they do or they don't do, hey, that's up to God to judge because I know what the Bible says about speaking negatively against the man of God. So you know what? I decide not to say anything. Is he my cup of tea? Maybe not but you know what nah he's a great guy he's doing great things for the lord amen that's under the table for you if anyone likes to talk bad about it amen why do i say that because paul who was probably the most inspiring individual in the new testament chooses the first five verses to be very motivational to timothy very motivational he didn't say oh let me preach repentance to timothy and let me knock him off his horse and beat him with a broom and teach him about repentance and let him feel how bad he is he didn't do that now let me tell you a little bit about timothy i love timothy because when i came to the lord it was a dramatic change in my life like when i came to the lord I said, Lord, I'm just going to give you my life completely and the world. There is no lover like you. And that's what I said. And I'm a guy. And I said, look, there's no woman. There's no drug. There's no sport. There's absolutely nothing that can love me and make me feel as satisfying as you make me feel. And I was an athlete. I was pretty popular. And I wasn't bad looking. So I want to just be honest with you guys here today. I had hair back then and everything else. And I was a lot younger. The reason why I say this is because of this. Timothy was an individual that at a young age, God used him to do miraculous things. And when I grabbed the story of Timothy and it, and it says, don't let them look down on your youth. I looked at that verse and still today at the age of 34, I look at men at the age of 60 and, and they've been called by the Lord and so have I. But I have nothing to hide. I'm not scared or envious, but God has called me to do what God has called me to do. And I have to feel confident in that, and you should too. But Timothy was an individual that, look, I'll tell you one thing. He was a baby crier. He was very soft emotionally. You look, for those people who are soft emotionally, look, you got a story right here. Paul says, I remember your tears. In the book of Corinthians, Paul wrote the letter and said, this is my wording. He says, make sure that when Timothy comes, don't make him feel fearful, please. <laughs> it's like when he comes, be very nice to him because he's a little weak. He writes that in Corinthians. Paul does. And now he says again, listen, I'm writing you this because I remember your tears. Look, I'm going to be okay, he tells him. He tells him, Timothy, I'm going to go with the Lord. My job is done. Don't let this nonsense get in the way of God's calling in your life. And he says, look, I want you to be the man that God's called you to be. And in our terms in today's day and age, it's just man up into what God has called you to do. Stop crying and stop murmuring. Listen, God's called you. Listen, your foundation with your family, I laid hands on you apostolically. I mean, you got what it takes. You are who you are. Do what God has called you to do. I want to focus this morning on fanning your flame. 
And, and, and for you to realize this morning that it doesn't matter about your weaknesses with your character, if you're soft, if you're too hard, if you've gone through trials, if you haven't gone through trials, whatever the case may be, I want to let you know today that what God has deposited in your life is there for a reason, and that's so that God may be glorified. It doesn't matter if you're going through a disaster. God changes the mess that you live in for a glorious message of hope, and the church needs to realize that, and we got to stop walking around like if I don't know like if this world owes us something or the church itself owes us something or the pastor has to do xyz for you to become something God has deposited something in your life already so do something with it you know be strong we all have spiritual duties we have things in our lives that God has has placed in our lives you read verse you read verse one and it says you know it's in the promise of Christ of who I am and he says my dear son and he says grace, and he tells him mercy and peace, hallelujah, gloria, adios. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Very nice stuff. He, he's lifting him up, and he says, I remember you in my prayer. So thank you, Paul, that you pray for me. And then he comes, and he's going to pull the rug underneath his feet. And he's going to say, well, before he pulls the rug, he says, I re- I'm remembered of your sincere faith, man. You're a great man, Timothy. If you ever walk into the pastor's office, I'll tell you one thing. If he starts off real good, get ready, because it's going to get real bad. Just to let you know. Just to let you know. You walk into the pastor, you talk to your wife. If they start talking real nice, just get ready because they're going to slide the rug under. Every time a conversation starts off real good, get ready because it's going to get real bad. And that's the way it is. Now he says this. He says, I remember. You say, you know, pastor, I want to fan this flame. I know God has put something in me. I Teach me how to do it. Look, I, I, I'm tired of pastors and people talking about what God can do, but I want to teach today, this morning, on how you can do it, how you can fan this flame. Everybody goes through issues, but everybody doesn't take the position to fan that thing that's within them. And the church is so blessed. You are so blessed. You, you are so gifted. You, I'm going to slide the rug soon, so get ready. You, you are an individual that's been bought by the blood. You are a child of God. You are an ambassador. We know that. And he says, but I remember your tears, man. I remember them. It, it seems like all the good stuff I just said just gets erased because all I remember is you crying. Timothy, you, all, all I can remember is you crying. So you might be saying to yourself this morning, look, I need to do something about this gift that's within me. You know, for a lot of people who are here, I don't know how long you've been here, but I know many of you, a lot of you I know, and I thank the Lord for that. And I know people, people in this room that have been graced and blessed far beyond the individual next to you. And that goes both ways because I believe when God blesses brother here with the gift of playing the drums, I may want to play the drums, but if God hasn't played me to, uh, blessed me to play the drums, keep me away from the drums. Praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you a story that most people don't know, and I've never said this story here, and God just brought this to my memory. When we first started New Life Ministries over 10 years ago, and as I look across the room, there might be a few people here that were were there when we started um, in my father's house. Um, We moved to this warehouse that I'm not going to lie to you. Um, The warehouse was, it wasn't even this wide. It was probably as wide as as from that end, from, from the wall, probably to right about here. We had drums, a piano, and everything in there, so that took at least another, I don't know, XYZ space. The first row, the first row, which I sat in, I always sit to the right there. You know, my wife led worship, and the first worship service we had, I promise you to God, the first worship service we had, after it, she looked at me, she says, listen, we have to do something. I said, what do we have to do, you know? Imagine, I'm 22 years old, and she says, you have to shut up during worship. I said, what do you mean? She says, yeah, you're throwing me off. You sing terrible. We can't even hear ourselves. We got to work at this, okay? That's what she tells me. (laughs) Which led me to believe that I would never be part of the worship team, and I would never, ever stand on the altar along with my wife singing, but that's okay. I understand that that's not my gifted area. I say that because many times God puts something in our lives. We don't take advantage of that one thing that God has blessed us with, yet we desire and envy others' gifts. I'm just going to leave that one there for you to really think about that. So Paul's writing a letter from a dungeon, so he better have some sort of revelation for him, right? Let me tell you, God creates the best things in the darkest areas. God will give you a masterpiece 
in the midst of your dungeon. And Paul creates a masterpiece for the church. Look what he creates. He says, look, I want to tell you how to fan your flame. Today, if you have something within you, enough of the motivational stuff, you got it. Now, what do you need to do? I want to let you know what Paul says to Timothy to do. He says, look, you are enriched with heritage. You are an individual that must understand where you come from, where you've been called. And he says, even your grandmama was Christian. He says, how dare you live this life with tears and how dare you live with your head down when you know that your grandmother you came from a house of faith even your mother Eunice was a woman of faith you might be saying what about the father listen he was a gentile you weren't the only one that had a bump for a father you must get over it and get on with it I did my father was a disaster in drugs he cheated on my mom he was a disaster I can use that today as a crutch but I must move on I left it in the hands of the Lord God healed my heart and today I'm going to worship God with or without a father. You might think, oh, I'm the only one that had this, you know, whatever adjective you want to use for a father. But if you pray to the God who lives and you believe in the God that raised Jesus from the death, your father will be here in this church no matter his history. So we still got people blaming the past in this church and in everywhere. And Paul says in a good way, look, remember your heritage. And look, if you want to fan the flame, you must remember your heritage and who you come from. Because you used to be somebody, and today you're not that same one. So your heritage is found in Christ Jesus. It says that I am a holy priesthood, a bot saint. Where I come from is from Christ. That I was born in sin, yes, but Jesus interfered. So he tells Paul, look, you have to look at your heritage. Know your heritage. If you want to fan the flame right here today in this church, you can't remember where you came from and think about, you know, your alcoholic days or your drug-abusing days or your whoring ways. That's a biblical word. Or the days that you used to live like this or like that. You can't go back to those ways to live how God wants you to live today. You can't. So how do you fan the flame? Know that it's found in Christ Jesus. And he who is in you is greater than the world. And if you can find your heritage in the spiritual realm, you can fan the flame. Now, if you live in your backslidden ways and you're living according to the ways of this world, it's going to be very hard for you to find your heritage. As a matter of fact, you might not even see yourself of who you really are. So, to lighten up the mood here, because the, the, the tension is getting pretty thick. I can feel that. I, you know, I can feel it's getting a little thick here. I want you guys to look gently. Look over to the person next to you before you do anything and say, gently, please. I want you to grab the bottle of water gently and just hold it in front of you, please. Gently. Don't do anything. Just grab the bottle of water here. Mm -hmm. Maori, come forward. Phil, come forward. Lulu, come yeah, just right next to you. Just, I mean, you don't have to hold it up or whatever. Just keep it nicely in front of you. Some of you guys are going to be. <laughs> okay, I want you guys to just open it. Don't do anything but just open it. Okay, I just want you to open it. All right? And I want you to take a sip from it. A sip. Just take a sip. How's that taste, Maori? Yeah. It tastes what? Blah. Nah. Nah. How's yours taste? Uh, mostly watered down. M watered down, yeah. What about yours? Watered down. Watered down. Yeah? Yeah. It's watered down a little bit? Pretty watered down. Pretty watered down. Okay, good. Who's got a pink bottle? You can sit, Phil. Who's got a pink? Come, come forward. Come forward. I promise you we'll get to a point here today that you will. No, I want you to do it. Not me. I'm not drinking your water. Turn around that way. I you to open it here. <laughs> Take a sip of that bad boy because that one looks, yeah. How does that taste? that taste yummy? No, definitely not. Take another one. Let me see. Take another one. Just another one. <laughs> Very obedient young lady. Praise the Lord. Okay, now, this is what I want you to, guys, you're shaking it. No, don't shake it. Wait, wait for me, wait. Okay, ready? This is what I want you guys to do. Ready? How can you make that a little bit better tasting? Shake. Okay, only the people up here. <laughs> I want you guys to close it, of course. I want you to shake it up. Shake it up. Make sure, exactly, make sure that you get that, that stuff in there real loose there and, and just really 
You see how it got a little darker, everybody? Everybody see that? A little darker there? You see that? Everybody has a different color. Is that your favorite color for uh, fruit punch? Is that your favorite flavor, fruit punch? If you had a choice, would you have gotten fruit punch? You would, but you can't, sorry. This one's good. <laughs> Did you pick that one? No, they gave it to you, right? I gave it to me. You, you gave it to me. But, but, but you would have wanted this one better? Maybe? What's your favorite flavor? That's just the question here. <laughs> the pink, but I like this. Okay, okay. But your favorite one is a pink then? Can we say the favorite one is a pink, Lulu? Okay. But you didn't get the pink one? No. You can't take it from her, okay? Okay, and you're red, right? Yes. You're, you're fruit punch. Yes. I'm sorry, even though you love the pink one, you can't have it, okay? So I'll make sure we're clear. Hopefully soon you'll be going, hmm, and getting some different things here as we're talking here. You guys can sit down. Everybody with a bottle, please make it the color or, you know, shake it up. Make it the right flavoring. And, uh, yeah, do whatever you got to do to get it right. Some of you have to, how many of you have to really hit it from the back, like really, you know? Yeah, you got to, yeah, shake it up, you know? Some of you are twisting and turning that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, you guys ready? Everybody take a little sip of that right there and tell me how that feels, how it feels going down, you know, how it tastes yummy now, huh? You like it now? A little bit better? Yeah? Good. Good. Very good. Good. Today, I want you to understand that Timothy was an individual that there was obviously something wrong with him. He was an individual that was going through something that wasn't right. And Paul says, learn your heritage and where you come from. Remember that within you dwells something greater that you can ever imagine. You may not see it because of what you're going through, Timothy, because Paul's not going to write this for no reason, right? And I want you to relate today to Timothy. I want you to relate to these bottles of water as I start breaking down certain examples that the Lord gave me in regards to us being Christians. When we come to the Lord and we accept them into our lives, I believe in Scripture teaches enough with enough evidence to teach us the minute we come to the point of understanding who Jesus is, we are now new creations. The Bible says that old things are gone and new things have come. Therefore, you are of a new person. The only way that happens is if God is indwelling in you. Amen? Now, this is what happens when you come to the Lord. Now you get something deposited in you that's different. It, it, it kind of differentiates you from the other people, and you've, you've created this certain flavor of who you are, and God, through the Holy Spirit, now puts his spirit in you, and now the spirit of God is within you, changing who you are, giving you a different color, changing your look a little bit. And for the church that's there looks at you, and Ali mentioned something about a new believer saying something, that you look at that person and you say, wow, that person's taking form. He's changing its color. You can see that thing within him changing. But I want to let you know that when you come to the Lord, it's just a hint of a color. But there's a great substance that's there, a great substance. Either when you come to the Lord or years of experience, what happens is, is that thing that was deposited in you stays at the bottom and you just have a hint of being a Christian. And when people see you and people taste you, their first answer is blah. Because what's in you needs to be of you. Just can't stay at the bottom. Many of us have what God has given us left, and we've left what God has given us at the bottom. We may look Christian. We actually taste a little Christian, but really when the world sees us, they look at us as hypocrites, and we don't have that good flavor of Christianity, and we make the church look crazier than what it is. So we're watered down. Someone said it, watered down Christians. That's a watered down Christian. Now, how many of us complain because of our dungeons and maybe the way God treats us by the shaking of our lives? When something happens, we might say, God, you're shaking me too much. or I might be broken. You know, you could grab that bottle, close it up real tight and not here, but you could throw it on the floor and shake it out eventually and, and it stays its form. And whatever's in there just kind of rabbles up, right? And it shakes up. Some of you were even hitting that thing, turning it upside down and shaking it out all around. And I want to let you know. Don't complain when your life feels like it's upside down because God is really just using the moments to make you that color that's deposited in your life, fanning the flame, 
fanning the flame. Get me, Lord, to what you want me to do in my life. Well, then that's going to have to be some fire in your life. And then that's going to have to be some upside down. You, you got me twisted upside down. That's for the old people here. Going to twist you, shake you, hit you. It feels like your world's falling apart, like God dropped you, and he probably did, but he's got his eyes on you, and his purpose is to make you what he's called you to be. And I'm sorry if you like, you know, I'm sorry if you like pink raspberry, but God didn't give you pink raspberry. God gave you lemonade, so stick with the lemonade and make it the best lemonade. Don't try to be fruit punch, because you ain't going to do it. Give the Lord a clap offering. He's a good God. Amen. So here's, here's Paul telling him, look, man, you, you just got to be real with yourself, and you got to understand where you come from. You got to understand where you come from. And look, I want to tell the church today, the, the number one reason why we don't fan our flame is because we forget about our heritage and who we come from, and that's Christ Jesus. Here, Paul tells him, you come from your grandmother. Listen, you come from your grandmother and a mother who's in the faith. Don't lose your heritage. You know that we're in the faith. There might be people in your life that come from the faith that bless you here today. I see some of you, and when you look at me, I know that you love me, and you know that I love you, and that's something that God has done. And that's who Paul is to Timothy, a, a son in the faith, but knowing your spiritual heritage. And he, and he goes on and he says, listen, Timothy, I want you to intensify your fire. I want you to rekindle it. There might be some people here today who your fire for God is there, but it's real light. Like, if it was winter and we live up north, you'd freeze to death, but it's there. And Timothy says, listen, you must intensify your fire. You must understand it. You must stir it up. You must, you must allow God to shake it to really get you to the place where you can become what God has called you to do. Verse 6 says, for this reason I remind you to fan into the flame of God. That means to flan, fan into, meaning it's in you, meaning it's already there. Not to pray to create it. Big mistake we do in the church. We can't pray to create it. We pray to fan it, that it's in you. We can't create salvation. There's nothing we can do. It's there. All God has called us to do is to fan it. You've seen those crazy shows where people are left in the middle of nowhere. Half of them are fake. Half of them are true. I don't know what's going on, but they're seriously, they still have mental issues with the things they still do if it's fake. It's crazy stuff. They drop them off in the middle of who knows what, and they have to drink water from who knows where. It's disgusting. But they do, and, and there's an episode where they get this, this I don't know what it is. Uh, they find it, I don't know where, I don't know if it's bad or whatever. But they, they, they just, they blow in it softly, you know, and, you know, the fire comes out. Well, Paul's telling him, here, listen here, I want you to fan the flame. And this is where it's going to get real good today, so I need your attention. When I was about five years old, I, I want to be honest with you, and you can, you can do the research you want. God bless her soul. My grandmother used to take care of me. God bless her soul. God bless her soul. From the times I ran away from the house, I went to a, the local cafeteria, you know, down the street. At the age of like six, just walked out of the house and left and ended up going over there. To the day and age that I want to talk to you today here where I burned her house down. I used to watch a show, parents, be careful what you let your kids watch. I watched a show back in the day called Code Red, and that's the title. I told you I would get back to it. The title's called Code Red. And what would happen is, is that when a fire would break out, people would scream Code Red. And the firefighters used to come when they used to scream Code Red. I was a fire starter, man. I lit everything on fire. There was nothing that I, if I found the match, I would light it on fire. Yes, it's true. God has redeemed me and glorified me, and I can still oversee you guys. I'm a mature individual today. But I really grabbed the styrofoam cooler, I put on the stove, I put it on the stove, I lit the styrofoam, and I threw it in my, in my grandmother's pantry where she had the lawnmower, the gas, and everything that was kept inside because back in the day, that's what, that's what was done. It was like a little room that led to the outside. Burned the kitchen down. I don't know how the house didn't explode. And I started screaming, cold red. My grandma was like, niño, ¿qué tú dices? You know, she was completely Spanish. Cold, ¿qué niño? Fuego, abuela, fuego, voy a quemar la casa. I burned the house down. I really did that. 
And as I was preparing for this message, I, I came to some important in, in information that I wanted to share with you because Paul is telling Timothy to be at a high risk of fire. He's telling Timothy, if you burn, you burn real good. You just don't burn. Like if you burn for God and you have a passion for God and your goal in life is to bring him fame, then you burn for Jesus. You don't just, there's no way fire's not hot. Fire is hot as hell. I'm telling you in its term, you know. Fire is hot, okay, like hell, lava hot. It's hot. And, 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 and Paul's telling Timothy, you need to burn. And as I was getting ready, there, there's some codes for fire. And I thought it was interesting because when I was screaming code red, it was at its highest risk in that house. And I want to let you know that you got to be burning for Jesus at, at the highest risk, man. You can't just be at a low risk or a moderate risk or a high risk, but you got to be at a hot burning risk of flame. You got to be at a high risk, cold red type of fire. Not blue, not yellow, not green, but on fire for Jesus. Because we all know what the book of Revelation says about stuff not being hot, right? You know what it says, right? The only place that God looks in Scripture and says that he will vomit out a substance that is not hot nor cold. He will vomit you out. So Paul is telling Timothy, burn like lava, hot lava, burn for Jesus. Don't do it a little bit. Look, if you come here and you do this a little bit, the trials of this world, the situations of this world, and everything that is tempting you within you will overtake you if you do this halfway. You need to give your life completely. Not giving your life completely gives you Christians who taste bad and give the bride a bad name. You want to burn for Jesus. You want to lay hands on people and watch miracles. You need to burn for Jesus. You want to do things for God, you need to get on your knees and pray. You got to fast for Jesus. This whole thing about coming to church on Sundays only and then asking God to heal your grandparents isn't going to work. It doesn't work. Fire consumes at its highest rate of heat. You must burn for Jesus. If not, you will not see God's hand producing your desire. I'll be at South next Sunday. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let Pastor Regal deal with this. Praise the Lord. No, it's true. You know, we have to be honest in the church. We really do, right? You know, we, we, we preach and teach a God who heals, a God who saves, and we teach all these things, and, and we hold God by his hand rather than his face. And that statement that um, Ali said this morning, I've told my wife that. Um, we've been in the house, and I look at her with, like, that cute look that guys have, you know, and I tell her, are you with me for my hand or my presence? And she'll say, shut up, Leo. That's what she <laughs> Be quiet, Leo. I'm like, come on, be, you know, that whole, look, the church needs to be real here, man. It's just the honesty, man. That's just what it is. You know, us people who preach up here, we're, we're not any different than you, you know. And that's so important to know as a church, to be with God because of who he is. And we make church just come get it your way and then. Live how you want, do what you want, and you still see God as this miraculous God in the Bible. And that's not biblical. There's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. That's if you want to see Jesus for who he is. You know, we deal with a people in the church, and that's in South, with a people who, it's not about loving God. And when we make church about just loving God, we steal from the Lord. If I were to ask everybody here who loves God, I think everybody would raise their hand. Peter looked at Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I will follow you to the end. And Jesus looks at him and says, you liar. That's my, my interpretation. You liar. No, Jesus, I will serve you till the end. And Jesus looks at him and says, you will deny me not once but three times. And you guys know about the whole rooster story. And he says, Lord, what do you mean? I love you. And Jesus doesn't deny that he doesn't love him. But he says, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. Simple. You know, I want to let the church know here that coming to church is not about you just loving God. Because we know you love God. That's, that's foundational. I told my church the other day, how much more do I have to tell you? How many times do I have to tell you that God loves you for you to live for him? How many times do I have to look at you and say, give your youth to the Lord because he's going to bless you? How many times do I have to tell you that Jesus loves you? We know that. Unless you're an atheist, and even then. But the message of God loving you, isn't that old already? I mean, 
How many times do we have to tell you, the church, that God loves you? It's time for you to produce. It's about, being, it's about not being ashamed of who he is and living loud for Jesus and letting your fire consume somebody else and really being fulfilled as you sit in these chairs because you can sit in these chairs and be blessed by a sermon, but you go home and you function for Christ and that's what fulfills you. So let's keep going as I end here. You know, as, as God has called us, you know, he calls us to intensify our fire. He calls us to understand who he is. He calls us for many things. He calls us to understand our heritage. Here Paul's writing out a masterpiece, and he finishes this letter with the amazing words of assuming our responsibility in Christ, of assuming our responsibilities. You know, I want to be honest here this morning. How many people are timid people? Like people who, it's very difficult to ask this question because a timid person won't raise their hand, but... I'm trying to work against the green here. If you can just participate with me and get some boldness here this morning. If you are a timid person, an individual who might be shy, an individual who would rather have the earth swallow you before attention is placed on you. If that's you here this morning, can you just raise your, the, the earth won't do that. I just need you as an example so you can help me out. If you are a timid person, can you just raise it real quick? Raise it real quick. Thank you, brother. Thank you in the back. Anyone else? Anyone else timid? Thank you. See? And, and you can even just do the, the, the thing here. Thank you very much. Somebody just did it real quick. The other person, all right, Pastor, you got me. You know, you can blink a couple times at me if you're the timid individual. I got you here. Blink so you won't have to raise your hand. I love when people say this. People sometimes say, you know, um, I just don't feel God has called me to do what you do because I'm just not so outgoing or I don't know if I can say those words, or look, I believe you. Sometimes people aren't called to do the same thing, but that whole thing of you not opening your mouth and not talking about the gospel or allowing it to consume the lost is a lie of the devil. Because here's a perfect example of an individual who's timid, an individual who's shy, an individual whose circumstances have destroyed the perception of the future. Look, you must fall under one of these categories. Here's an individual that's writing a masterpiece of a letter, and look how he ends off. And I'm going to ask the music ministry to come forward here this morning. It says this. It says this, verse 7. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of what? Fear. Or even being timid. God didn't give you that. But look, did give the church. Look at these three words here. Power. Somebody shout that out. Power. Love. Say love. And I love this one. If you tell me what's my favorite one, and if my wife was here, she disagrees with me in a lot of things, but she wouldn't disagree in this one, at least with me. And those people who are here today that really know me, the people who were here with me many years ago, what is it now, four or five, four years now? That we did, we, seven years here already? Yeah, here? Four years, yeah, yeah. Those people that know, you know, when it comes down to self-discipline, it's crazy, you know, we I remember building this place, and I always use examples because it just, it just captures my mind where I told Pastor Regal, do a service this Sunday, and, and the walls were still gray. The thing was here a disaster. Pastor uh, uh, Regal Sr. probably knows what I'm talking about. And this place was a disaster. And I told my crew, we'll be here at 3 o'clock in the morning, and we leave here at 11 o'clock, and we'd be doing floors here. And there was nothing here, and Regal would look at me, Pastor Regal would look at me and say, this Sunday, I said, listen here, bro, you're going to do it this Sunday. You got faith. Let's do this in, in the Lord. And I remember, I'll never forget it, man. I'll never forget the hours that were put here of self-discipline and denying yourself and, and really saying, I'm going to do something and do it no matter what it takes. Man. Everybody longs for power. Don't lie. Don't lie. Everybody. Whom God can trust with it is the one who gets it. Everybody longs to be loved or to give love. Don't, don't, don't lie here. And as I read these three, you're probably like, Gloria Dios. I have a little bit more Spanish speakers. That's why I always say stuff in Spanish because they tell me this stuff. Some have been like, yes, Lord, pastor, amen. I want power. <laughs> when I preach, I want fire. That whole thing, yeah. And then people are like, yes, we need love. Love is the one that changes. Love one another. Yes, love. Half the time we don't even know how to love. 
most of the times, the person that God gives us to express love, we don't even do it with them. But lastly, he says self-discipline. I don't know when you heard self-discipline if you're like, oh, God. To me, it's the hardest one, but it's the one that I work at the most, to be self-disciplined, to be an individual that is not moved, to be an individual that has been bought at such a price and my life has been so transformed that there's no love that this world, there's no love that a man, there's no love that a substance, there's no attention that this world. I'm just love, I'm, I'm lovesick. And since I said yes to Jesus, I've never been the same. And I said something in my life when I came to the Lord, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this right. And I'm gonna burn for Jesus no matter what. I met a woman in high school that she rocked my world the minute she opened up her mouth. Her mom looked at her and said, that's the man you're gonna marry. I was dating her friend. Actually, just to make the story even better, I was dating this girl, and she says, I want to introduce you to a Christian friend of mine. I said, all right. You know, we all use that term. The girl I was dating, I said she was Christian because she went to church like when she was 11. She never went back again, but I said she was a Christian. Because people who are looking for a person to date, we say that anyone is Christian just because they went to church with their grandmother at the age of 11, we say they're Christian. And when they would ask me what church she goes to, she doesn't even know what church she goes to. I ask her, what's the name of your pastor? She doesn't even know the name of the pastor. She ain't Christian. I just labeled her Christian. That's what I did. But I was in the church, and I knew better. And uh, she introduced me to a Christian friend. So I walked into the house, and there was Anika. And there was Pastor Rigo at the age of 11 or whatever he was. And that was a funny story in itself. <laughs> so my, my girlfriend at the time says, she sings. So I said, oh, she sings? I said, oh, yeah, and the people who do things well never want to do it. It's funny because me and Pastor Regal fight about who's going to share when, you know. We have a retreat, and we're, and we're not fighting about wanting to. We're fighting about, no, you do it. No, I do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. And actually, I won this year, and he's going to be doing the seminar. And I'm not. People who do things well tend to not want to do it sometimes. So she says, I don't want to sing. Whatever reasons it was, she ended up singing. The minute she opened up her mouth, I said, oh, this is it. This is the one. And ever since then, I've been with her. When you burn for Jesus and you put God first, God ends up doing things his way, and it ends up being right. My message this morning is for the Paul, who he's called you to encourage, and you're not encouraging. My message this morning is for the Timothy who might be real timid this morning. You know Jesus, and you haven't given him your everything. In the book of Malachi, it talks about an offering, and the Lord looks at an offering and says, this is what you're going to give me. This is what you're going to give me. This morning, I'm not here to judge that your giving is right or wrong. I'm here to encourage you this morning to give God your everything. Today, you might be called to be a pastor. You might be called to be an evangelist. You might be called to start a church. You might be called to do something. And, and really, the last thing right now in your life is that. Well, I'm here to fan the flame in your life here this morning. I'm here to blow into your life. I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to say, man, get ignited for Jesus, man. I know Pastor Rigo shared his purpose and his vision here. And, and my prayer and my desire is that God embarrassed Pastor Rigo. Just like my prayer with me is that God embarrass me. Because I'm praying for, you guys know, we have a building on its way of 500 members, a school, and I have great plans for down south. I envision great things like your pastor. But at the end of the day, my prayer is God embarrass me and show me off and do more than what I can ever imagine. So let me fall short with my prayers, but I believe 
that everything your pastor has been sharing with you as I listen to them on podcasts, as I review his notes and we go back and forth and we share our thoughts, that he needs the church. He needs you to rise up and to fan the flame. He needs you to rise up and be the evangelist. He needs you to rise up and be the individual that ministers to the brokenhearted and to be the church in the community and to be the individual that share the love of Christ and for you to stop living a double life. It's a tough message. But if you want to see God in all his glory, then give up and say, I surrender. So maybe as hard as the message was to share this morning, I know there were six or eight of you who heard this message many weeks ago, a week ago or so. And I'll tell you, church, something that I told them. Some of you, this message might go over your head, but if there's just one or two or three or four, whatever the case may be, can understand today's message. And you understand that God wants you to be all that you can be and that there's a fire dwelling within you, you won't hesitate to come to this altar here today. You won't hesitate. I don't even have to make an altar call. And you'll say, God, that's me. I, I want that. I know that there's something in me. I know that when people look at me, if I even tell them I'm a Christian, they're going to look at me funny because I don't even represent Christianity. But God, my life has been torn up, man. That might be you here. From adultery, addiction, separation, molestation to everything here in the church. God's telling you enough of it. Move on. I got a fire within you, and it's in there. You don't have to pray for it. It's there. I just want you to fan that flame, man. So today, if you're the Paul, you're the Timothy, or if this message has ministered to you in any form for you to take your place where God has called you to be, wait no longer and stand and get up here, and I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want everybody to stand this morning. And if God is ministering to your heart here today and God is telling you, man, that's me, Pastor. That's me. I want to I wanna be that individual that God has called me to be. The altar's open for you. And I want you to come forward today. And I want to pray that God really consume your lives here today. Some of us as a church... When we do an altar call, we forget about, oh, this message isn't for me. Ah, forget it. I'm done here. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen today. As you come forward, make your way close. Don't worry about it. Just come close. Come close. If you're here and you feel that this altar call is not for you, I want you to do what we want to do here, which is worship. I want you to worship God. I want you to lift up your hands and exalt God. I want you to fall to your knees and make this place an environment of worship. As a matter of fact, I want you to come forward and pray for some of the people here. And say, Father, ignite their lives, Lord. You might be saying, well, I'm not a leader. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm, I'm telling you, if you are a child of Christ, you feel like you want to come and pray for someone up here I encourage you to come forward man if you need more of God in your life come up to the altar and say God here I am I want to live for you I want my life to resemble you today father I pray for every individual here today I pray that your Holy Spirit, oh God, do a work in their lives this morning, Lord, that only you can do. Let's worship the church.